0: I'm Brian Lee, one of the content creators for the UAMS Institute for Digital Health and Innovation and the South Central Telehealth Resource Center. Welcome to Telehealth Talk. In this episode, we have a conversation with Allison Caballero. Allison is the director of the Center for Health Literacy at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. She leads a team of plain language writers and researchers whose main mission is to improve individual and population health by making health information easy to understand and use. Stay with us. Okay, let's start with the basics. Why is clear health communication so important in a clinical encounter?
1: There are lots of good reasons why we should all be paying attention to clear health communication in uh, clinical encounters. And some of it starts with regulatory reasons. So the Joint Commission considers health literacy Um, work a strategy toward patient safety, Um, the CMS conditions of participation for several different types of organizations. You know, apart from regulatory reasons, your organization is probably working on some or all pieces of what we call the quadruple aim in healthcare. Everyone's working to help patients have a better experience and to have patients and entire populations have better health outcomes. And when we equip patients with good information that they can act on, to improve their health, it can improve both their experience with you and those ultimate health outcomes. And then, you know, the other part of the quadruple aim, another piece of it is the provider experience. And so for a lot of us, you know, this may be an organizational objective, but it's also rooted in our passion. It's why we got into healthcare in the first place, to help people. And so we might have a better experience as providers if we know we are equipping patients um, to to take action that could lead to better health. And then finally, so many of our organizations are working on uh, cost containment strategies as part of the quadruple aim. Many are enrolled in value-based reimbursement programs. And those programs incentivize organizations that help patients stay well. So if you think about some of those things that uh, might be on your quality metrics scorecard for value-based reimbursement, it's things like did a patient get a prescription filled? Did a patient attend a, uh, a scheduled follow-up visit after an inpatient stay? Those are all patient behaviors. And so in order to get to those desired behaviors, we've got to equip patients with some knowledge and skills to be able to put those things into practice.
0: So I guess all of this is true during telehealth encounters too
1: absolutely and i think in some cases uh, this becomes even more important if you think about how much digital communications have grown over the last year during the pandemic it's it's pretty amazing when you when you think about it and so for some people that means you know they've just gotten the internet at home for the first time or maybe they're just using telehealth for the first time but there are people who still don't have internet service at home or don't have a smartphone so we know that about 3 in 10 people in rural communities don't have a smartphone. And almost half of people from low-income families don't have internet at home. And so what this means is that for these people, telehealth is probably very new. And, you know, we can all relate to doing something for the first time and wanting to have great instructions to help guide us in doing that. And so, you know, not only do we have to think about the the health information that we're giving to patients when we think through our telehealth encounters, we have to think through the more technical aspects of that too. And how do we give people information that helps them navigate setting a telehealth appointment or helps them log on to that telehealth appointment or helps them use the technology to the fullest during that encounter?
0: So why does health communication go wrong?
1: When we think about what could go wrong during health communication, we can really um, pinpoint it back to this mismatch between demand and capacity, and I'll explain that a little bit. If you work in healthcare, you spent years learning a new vocabulary that the rest of the world doesn't know, right? And um, on the flip side, on the capacity side, we know that only about 12 out of every 100 adults in the country has proficient health literacy skills. And what I mean by that is only a fraction of our population has all the skills they need to find health information, read it, understand it, take some meaning from it, and actually use it to improve their own health. And so when we see this mismatch, when we place these burdens or demands on our patients and family members that exceed their their skill level, then we have a communication problem.
0: So what can providers do about this?
1: So there's a lot that providers can do, um, and this is true whether you work in direct patient care or you are in a more supporting role or you administer um, health services. Everyone can do something to help address clear health communication in the clinical setting. Um, So the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality has a wonderful guidance document called the 10 Attributes of a Health Literate Healthcare Organization, and I would encourage you to look into that, but in essence, um, those 10 attributes start with leadership and with policy, and so this is all about organizations having leadership that outwardly and very visibly supports clear health communication Um, as as a key organizational objective and with having policies that support health information being developed and delivered in a way that's meaningful to patients and families. And so as an example of that, having a policy that um, ensures that all of your written information that comes from your health organization is written in plain language. And plain language is really just um, language that people can understand the first time they see it or hear it. And the simplest way to explain it is that plain language is um, the language that you would use at the kitchen table with your your grandparents sitting across the table from you. right? So it's not the vocabulary that you learned in your years of education, but it's that common everyday language. And too often our written materials and our spoken uh, information are not in plain language, and that has a real impact on what our patients are able to understand and then ultimately do with that information that you're providing. And that's more than just, you know, the, uh, the pre-op instructions or the, you know, post-visit care that you want the patient to engage in. It starts with navigation. It starts with helping people figure out how to find your clinic or how to log on to you know, a, a virtual visit. All of those things impact patient's ability to interact with you and to engage in self-care. So really starting with plain language and all of those written and, smoke and spoken materials alike. And then workforce training, you know, it's difficult to cope using one set of vocabulary and then to speak to patients and families in a completely different way. And so there's a lot of training um, that's available um, online, and you can certainly reach out to our office for support with that as well. But another area that we encourage people to get some training in and to use in their practice, um, certainly in that one-on-one clinical encounter is teach-back. And teach-back is simply just Asking the learner to repeat back to you what they've just learned in their own words. So in teach back, you would use those plain language principles to, you know, provide living room language and not too much of it as you give instruction to a patient or family member. And then after a few key points, you would pause and then ask the patient to repeat it back to you just to make sure that you did a good job explaining it. And that's exactly how you should pitch it. You don't ever want to make the, the person across from you feel that they're being tested. You could say, We've just gone over a lot. Um, I want to make sure I did a good job explaining this to you. So in your own words, what are you going to do when you leave here today? And then you give that patient an opportunity to explain back what they heard. And if there's something that you need to reteach, then you know what it is and you can address that before the patient leaves. So they leave with the right information to take good care of themselves or their child or their parent or whoever they may have come to the visit with. Um, So these are all things, you know, using plain language, making sure that organizational policy supports this type of work, getting some training and using teach back. These are all what we would call um, strategies to lower the demand. And so remember, we talked about that mismatch between demand and capacity. So these are all demand lowering strategies. You can definitely also promote uh, capacity in your patients and help them build some skills around health communication. So as an example, there's a a program that that our group worked on called How to Talk to Your Doctor, and it helps patients better prepare for and communicate um, in a clinical encounter. And so things like that can help on the patient side as well.
0: So what other advice do you have for practices who want to overcome health literacy challenges and provide meaningful telehealth encounters?
1: Well, again, I would point you to that 10 attributes of a health literate healthcare organization tool from AHRQ. Um, And and that would you know, it's going to be the low hanging fruit is going to be a little bit different for each organization. But I think the key is to to get started, to do something, to not delay it. And start small. You know, look at that list of 10 attributes and see where you think you need some work and where you think your organization is ready to take a step or two forward um, in this journey toward clear health communication. Certainly keep learning about this. Uh, If this was an introduction to you, hopefully you've gotten some some ideas and and your interest has been increased. But I would encourage you to continue that learning. So, um, the Center for Health Literacy at UAMS has a great blog. We just send out about one information. Informational post each month, usually some tips on on plain language writing or other forms of health communication. The Institute for Healthcare Advancement has a very active and interactive listserv with emails and comments back and forth between healthcare providers and others who are working in the health literacy space. I would encourage you to sign up for that. Um, And then if your organization is is ready for health literacy training, our group and many others offer that and we would encourage you to get in touch. Um, And then in addition to that, the South Central Telehealth Resource Network has some existing materials, written materials toolkit information for patients and providers on using telehealth. And a lot of those have been edited for plain language. And so I would encourage you to use those as they're made available to you.
0: Let's keep the conversation going. You can find and follow us on Twitter at LearnTelehealth, on Facebook, the same name, LearnTelehealth, and you can always leave us an email at info at Thanks for listening.